Welcome back to Radical Learning Talks with Sari Gonzalez and Rebecca Koritz. Hello, my friend. Hey. We are back. And today we are going to talk about a big topic. What is self-directed education? Yeah, what is self-directed education? Because this is a big part of what we're doing. Yeah, and I think, you know, after listening back to the first episode, we realized the importance of defining a lot of the terms that we're using and we're going to use, um, because some of them are very broad and some of them are very specific. So uh, to get a good, a good sense of, of the landscape in which unschooling and self-directed education lies, I think it's important to talk about what, what it is. So. What is self-directed education, Becca? You've been in this field for so many years. Like, how, how, what's your elevator pitch? Well, <laughs> I think it's kind of self-explanatory, like self-directed education. It means that we trust all humans, children and adults, to find their own way within learning. We believe that we're all capable, or most of us at least, capable of designing our own education the way the way we need which is a very individual path for each and every one mm -hmm. yeah I, I totally agree with that and I would add as well that you know I hear a lot of terms such as uh, child-led learning or what is another one like in free learning free learning or inquisitive learning yeah. curious learning and I mean, I think they, it's important to distinguish that there is an umbrella, which is self-directed education. Um, and then under that umbrella, there are a lot of different options, you would say. So I think there's a spectrum uh, of which that you can find uh, like unschooling, which is what we're gonna talk about, focus on in this, in this talk, is kind of on one end of the spectrum where it's like extremely free and based on trust, I mean, all self-directed education is based on trust, but where there's very minimal kind of adult, um, what's the Interference, Interference. Or, direc or direction, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. And then maybe on another, at the other end of the spectrum, you might find a self-directed learning center that has some more structure and has, you know, they're using agile learning tools um, or they're using a kind of structure to, to serve as a container for the free learning and the, the child-led, you know, activities that are happening in the center. So even within self-directed education, there is a spectrum, but I think overall what self-directed education means is that we are tapping into our natural, our, our natural tendency and ability and capability to learn on our own time in our own way. And to learn when we need it. I think that in self-directed education, for me, it's really acknowledging the fact that we are born curious. We are born wanting to explore and wanting to learn. And maybe we don't think of it as learning when we're babies or small children. We just naturally do it. And there's something so precious and so beautiful in that that I often see is being stifled when kids start school. Yeah, I think it's so funny how it's it's really easy for us as parents or caregivers or adults um, to 
like look at a young really young child like an infant and we're like oh how amazing like just leave them alone let them do their own thing but you know you mentioned this as well a lot in your work that at school age it's like all of a sudden there's this expectation that no 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 but you have to learn in these ways and you have to learn these things so it's like we we trust our kids to learn on their in their own time and in their own uh their own path and their own pace until school until age. school age <laughs> yeah. yeah so i think self-directed education challenges that and, yeah. and challenges that idea of you know wait a second it's learning is a natural process that is within all of us and you know we we refer to the work of peter gray and we both beck and i are, are big fans of free to learn so definitely if you haven't read that book please go out and get it right away audiobook you know whatever uh, form works for you but it's it really challenges peter peter gray talks about how it is natural for us to learn we learn all the time in every interaction that we do and you know if we look back to indigenous cultures and tribes there is no conventional school system it's it's really about we learn with and from each other actually there was no conventional conventional school system 200 years ago it's quite recent but since all of us have gone through it most of us at least we believe that that's the way we have to learn and i and i see this i observe this so much in parents um especially parents with young children how they're so accepting towards their children's development and how they develop so differently some kids learn to walk when they're nine months and there are others who wait until they're 18 months you know like there's a broad span and very clearly it depends on the motivation of each child what they're interested in and there might be you know i remember once working with a two-year-old he was into jigsaw puzzles but he was he was working on the ones for six-year-olds and he didn't speak he was not interested he didn't need it yet but he needed those jigsaw puzzles like that was his thing and when he was three he went from not saying anything to mom can you please pass me the butter yeah yeah so we all have different rhythms yeah i mean i'm experiencing that right now with my son who has never been in a conventional setting and has only been part of an agile learning community and unschool i mean my, my family is an unschooling family and so we really what that means is we we're hands off we trust his process and we trust that he is learning what he needs to learn in his own time and so you know i get a lot of pressure from family members or friends that think i'm i've totally lost it like what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> what do you, what do you mean he's he's going to be 7 he doesn't know how to read and you know just the other day i had this beautiful conversation with him where he said mama cuz his birthday is coming up he said you know, my I feel like I'm I'm turning eight, not seven. And I said, Why is that? And he goes, Because my brain is holding more information, which is wow. like wow. And then he he looked at me and he said, I think I'm ready to learn how to read. And I said, Okay. And of course, I had like a stack of cards and you know a bunch of stuff that people have given us. And I said, oh, Okay, do you want to try it? And we went through like four books, four of those like Bob Bob the Pirate books or whatever. <laughs> and it was so enjoyable because it, it came from him. And he was like, I'm ready to do this. I want to do this. 
And so, you know, that in and of itself is an example of not only a self-directed process, it's also an example of unschooling, where it was really much about me stepping back and allowing, not allowing, but honoring um, his process. And trusting it. Yes. And I understand it's hard because if, if you've grown up in a conventional schooling setting, um, we all have to learn the same thing at the same time. And so it can be really scary to have a child who doesn't show interest for these more traditionally academic um, subjects, right? And so you might have a kid who is not interested in reading and that's just the way it is until suddenly the kid needs to learn it. But going back to the conventional school system, why would you say that it doesn't really work any longer? Mm, that's such a great question. I think, I think it does work for some people. I do, and, and I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want it to come across that we're like bashing the system or completely against it. I think that that for some families that are really committed to following a structure and that might have a lot of fear around what the future is gonna look like and how, like a very clear definition of what success is to them and that that's tied to getting a degree and getting the house with the mortgage and you know all of those very conventional ways of looking at happiness and success. For families and people like that, that um, think in those ways, the conventional system is what they're gonna be drawn to. For other families and other humans like myself, my family, you, your family, that are beginning to question how we do things, why we do certain things, question you know, what is the system that we're a part of and whether it's working or not, it doesn't work for us. So for example, my son is a, an extremely um, wild kid like he's he's so free he's free-spirited and he has a lot of physical energy yeah he needs to move he all the needs time. to move he's a kinesthetic learner he he's tactile he needs to move and so a conventional school where he would have to like be expected to sit in a seat for six hours and do a certain thing in a certain way would just crush him and it would probably just give him a lot of anxiety and I can't imagine that he would be really happy in a system like that. So for me, the, the difference is really learning about my son, like learning who he is and adapting to his needs and you know, the, the way in which I support his learning is driven by who he is versus him needing to be the person or be the thing that other people are saying he needs to be. Yeah, I hear you. And that's, that's what I kind of think when I hear you speak. I think that maybe um, conventional schooling works really well for certain parents. I'm not so sure, however, that it works that well for all children. Uh, and I think that there's a huge difference there. We can see parents uh, really wanting this format, believing that this has worked for all, forever, not really questioning it, uh, wanting their children to have a degree and an employment and that kind of steady road. But maybe the kids don't agree with it. Maybe they don't feel that happy with it. Some kids do. I do actually know some children that like going to school, but I would say that most 
people I talk to, and I talk to a lot of people, they say they didn't like school, or if they say they liked school, and I'm referring to adults now, they would say, yeah, recess. Hmm, yeah. But, but they never, or they say, I had such a great math teacher. They will mention like one teacher that made a difference and recess and, and the socialization, but they don't really, I haven't really heard anyone say like, I loved it. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. And when I think about like for me, why conventional schooling doesn't really work, it's because it's one size that is supposed to fit everyone. And I've written so much about this in Swedish and I think a lot about like shoes. Like if we were all to wear the same, the same kind of shoes, like maybe they would be too big for me and they wouldn't fit well or they would be too small and I would hurt my feet. And I'm thinking that it's, it's a, a little bit bizarre thinking that this thing that everyone has to learn is something that's going to work for everyone when we're all individuals. Yeah, and that's, I think that's a really important key word here is individual. So who is each person, right? And I think part of the reason why I feel like the conventional school system is not one that I'm drawn to for my family and for my kids, uh, kid and potentially future kids, is that it's based on an, on an authoritarian system. So it's very top down, right? People are deciding for you. It's power over, not power with. And I think that that's, that's not really how the world is 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 thriving like we don't thrive in systems like that we don't thrive in in oppressive systems like as individuals and i think that the shift that we we're talking about is is just that like we need to prepare our kids for a realistic future of what it's going to be like in the future and a conventional school system is not really preparing our kids for that can i know you do a lot of, around this like you you talk a lot a lot about this becca can you share more about preparing our kids for the future and how yeah. the conventional system doesn't really doesn't really help with that no it doesn't and i think it has to do with the fact that it was designed 200 years ago roughly you know mm. more or less give and take a couple of years um, and it was designed during a time that was, you know, it was a time where we had in industrialism. And so it was, you know, to take the factory workers' kids, have them someplace and turn them into obedient um, citizens and restricting what they could learn, what they could read. And even though most schools don't look like that today, that is still the roots. That's the foundation of the conventional system, even in progressive education like Montessori or Waldorf there is an adult driven agenda where the system kind of believes it knows best it knows what our children will need for the future and when I look at what is being taught today in conventional schools I'm like hmm okay so I see this and I understand it was made for another time and our world is shifting but so fast and we've noticed now during the pandemic, and I've been saying this for years and years and years, that just during these last 20 years, we've had more changes than the last 200 years. And just now in a year and a half of pandemic, wow. Yeah, and we've <laughs> all been forced to change. We've but all some been, things yeah. are not changing at all. And the school system has failed completely in adapting 
to the new circumstances. And so why this is concerning to me and where I think that self-directed education is doing a better job is like, okay, let's admit, Sari, we do not know what the future is gonna hold for us. We don't know what it's gonna look like. We do not know what our children will need when they're grown ups. We have no idea. And pretending that we're preparing children for the future in this conventional school system that was made for yesterday and pretending that we're preparing the kids for tomorrow is isn't working for me it it's really it just there's such a misalignment in what is said it's it's doing and what it is actually doing and where i think self-directed education is is actually so much more functioning is because it prepares our children to listen to themselves mm -hmm. it prepares them to adapt to the circumstances it prepares them to take initiative to be creative to solve problems it prepares them for the unknown and the conventional school system doesn't do that right i mean we use the term agile especially in the agile learning community and, and world but that idea of being flexible of change right of adaptability is really uh the heart of self-directed education right because it's not no day is going to be the same, um, especially in unschooling, right, where there, there is no curriculum, there is no structure in, in many ways unless it's created with the learner um, based on their needs. It, it's really about, about ad adapting. And I, I would say that's, that's a skill that I, I really hope that my son, you know, if he chooses to, develops because I think that's going to take him a lot farther in this world and his life than whether he knows, you know, mathematics table. Yeah, and I'm thinking also, like, if, if you put your kids in the conventional school system, you kind of trust that in the future there will be employments. Mm -hmm. You trust there will be jobs. That You trust that your kid will be able to take their degree and go out in the world and be like, hey, um, employ me, hire me, you know. But what if it won't look like that? What if they will have to recreate themselves over and over again? You know? I mean, but that's what many adults do, right? Yeah. I, I know very few adults that are actually working in the field of their studies, you yeah. know, and, many, <laughs> and, and happily, you know, um, unless you're at a, in a very specific path and you're like determined to be a doctor and that's a passion and you go to your med school and, you know, but many adults that I know are doing something completely different and joyfully so, you know, when, when they live their lives and they're, discovering their passions. I mean, that that's something that I always had a problem with, with the conventional system. In my experience in going to college, it's like I had to define my major and define what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And it's like, well, I don't know. I haven't seen the world. Like, exactly. I want to travel. I want to experience life. And, you know, there's a whole movement around world schooling where families are literally, like, picking up, the, you know, picking up their families and traveling the world. And that's really unschooling, too, if, if they're choosing to use those experiences as as learning experiences. I mean, it could also be very conventional if they're dragging, you know, the textbooks and sitting down with their kids. Of course. And, you know, but um, I think that we're definitely entering a phase in, in, in our world in the way that we live where I think we're beginning, we're realizing that we need to be more flexible in our thinking and in the ways in which we approach how we learn. I couldn't agree more. And did you know, Sadi, that these, you know, people who study trends, mm -hmm. 
they say that in 20 years, 90% of the jobs that exist today won't even exist. Well, they're going to be robots doing a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, robots and I don't know. I didn't over. give birth to a robot. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And so I'm just thinking, I think it's interesting. And also it makes me reflect a little bit about my own path and the fact that I, you know, I, I chose to, to found uh, three schools. There was no degree that could prepare me for that. I had to do it on the go. And for me, that is how self-directed education works mm -hmm. uh, or self-direction, like how to learn how to do it on the go when you need it. Yeah, so for everyone listening and who might be thinking like, okay, this sounds great, but how the heck do you do this? What What is this? What is self-directed education and how do I get into it? I think the thing to consider is that spectrum. And so we have on one end unschooling, which we'll go into in a little bit. And then on the other end, you have uh, learning centers that support self-directed learners. And what they all have in common is most of them are mixed age. They really value play. They, you know, listen to kids needs and interest and it's really kid-centered and kid-focused um, and then within that those centers you have democratic free schools uh, which use democratic principles and tools to help their learners navigate their environment and then you have ALCs which explore as an ALC and we use agile learning tools for intentional culture creation and we have facilitators we don't call them teachers but adults that accompany our learners and as you know and facilitate their their processes exactly when it's needed exactly when it's needed and also based on the learner's interest exactly um, and I think what sets ALCs apart from democratic free schools is this big focus on community building and also the importance of parent involvement so parents are a part of the community of agile learning centers um, and a friend of mine an old friend of mine said you know you see one alc you see one alc meaning each is its own world and can be very different but we all use agile learning tools um, and then on the other end of the spectrum is what you and i are talking about now becca like unschooling and for me i don't know if you would agree with this but for me the two words that come to mind in thinking about unschooling is exploration and freedom and I would add to this liberation. Yes. I think it's a tool for, for liberation, both for adults and children. Absolutely, like honoring our kids' liberation. Absolutely. And the other thing I would say is like what's different about unschooling from other self-directed ed options, it's that it's really focused on the relationship between the parent and the child. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like a journey, a beautiful and really hard journey. <laughs> and, you know, it makes me think about what Blake Bowles says in his book, uh, Why Are You Still Sending Your Kids I to School? I love that book, by it's the way. It's amazing. It's beautiful. And he talks about the, the role of the unschooling parent. And he says, um, and if I can quote him here, he says, to expand your definition of freedom, to bear progressively more discomfort, and to help your child explore the world without choosing their specific direction through the world. So when I read that, I'm like, okay, that is get out of the way. Always, always, always. And that is, that is like my advice in, in, this, in this context. It's like, take a couple of steps back. Like watch, observe because you don't need to interfere that much as, as you might believe. Absolutely. And so there are a lot of different options. Um, I think it depends really what kind of environment 
your learner wants to be in and your family feels comfortable in, whether it's a democratic free school or an agile learning center or you know, some learners don't want to be in a space at all, in a learning center at all. They really just want to wake up and decide how, how they're living, when they're living, what they're doing. And how it works is, I think, first just listening to your kids and asking them, like, what do you want to do? What, what do you, do you want to be in a space with other kids? Do you want to, you know, should we, you know, talk about what your day wants, what you want your day to look like? Um, but unschooling is a shift in perspective for an entire family. It's oh not, God, yeah, because it's about how you want to live life. Exactly. It's it's not the. Fo- I wouldn't say that the focus is even on learning. It's about living. How do we want to live? Absolutely. And yeah. I, I was thinking about that. You know, like because I'm into this slow living now. Thank God, because the minute Theo and I decided that he wouldn't go back to school. We didn't have to rush in the mornings. We could take it easy. And I'm still, I'm an early waker. I get up early, but I don't have to prepare his lunch. I don't, we, I don't have to wake him up. I can let him sleep the time he needs. And suddenly, like the other day, he's like, Mom, I need a sweet potato. <laughs> I'm like, okay, you, what, what for? Well, I wanna, well, apparently they grow down here in the tropics, so I want to make it grow. So, okay, I got him a sweet potato. And then I, he's like, yeah, I need a, a, piece, of, a piece of cloth. So then he put it in a glass with water and he covered it up with his cloth. And yesterday he showed me how it's growing tiny, tiny roots. And then he was like, mom, I need a bucket. I'm like, what for? Because I need to put soil in it and some uh, composting. And uh, yeah, I need, I need a place for it to live. You know, once the roots get big, get bigger. And I'm like, okay. So what am I doing here? I'm just providing him with a sweet potato on a big bucket. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. And encouraging him through your curiosity and your support yeah. versus saying, what are you going to do now? And, you know, how, how is it going to happen? Put it here, put it there and taking over his process. And I think going back to, you know, what unschooling, what self-directed learning is, it's it's really changing the approach of how we're relating to each other and the relationships. And I know we're going to talk a lot about equitable relationships, but I think for me, that's, that's the key to, to self-directed learning and unschooling is we begin to question how we are relating to each other, the language that we're using, um, whether it's top down and power over or power with, like whether it's, it's like, okay, we're on the same page, like me and my son are two humans learning and navigating the world together, or do I think that I am better and know better than him and should be the one telling him how to live and what he should be doing in his day and what he should be learning and when? That's authoritarian, and that's what the conventional system is based off of, that approach. And I think unschooling is the opposite of that. It's saying, no, we're equals and, you know, it's based on trust and it's based on curiosity and based on um, trust that we're all going to figure it out. I get really moved <laughs> when I hear this because I'm so happy that I chose this path for, 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 for my kid, even though it wasn't really my choice, it was our choice. But I'm so happy to be doing this with him because it's really, as you're saying, it's our process. And again, like in order to be able to do this, you have to really step up as a parent because it is about challenging all those programmings that we're carrying with us and 
I was thinking just like not talk too much about it, but maybe mention a little bit what de-schooling is and why it is so necessary. Because you can't just decide not to take your kid to school and believe that you're going to be fine as an adult. Your kid might do fine, but maybe you will have too many fears and too many doubts because you have all these ideas of what it should look like. Yeah, and I think this goes back to, you know, what we talked about. There are some parents that I've met where it's like, you know, when their kids are up until age six, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking for a space for them to be able to play freely. But then school age comes, and it's like, well, now it's time for them to get serious. And I like to have these these conversations with, with parents that make that switch where it's like okay for kids to play and explore and then all of a sudden it's like time to get serious like what does that mean time to get serious and what it always comes down to Becca is fear and a fear of the parent that their kid is not going to make it in the world exactly and so that process of identifying the fear and challenging it is what de-schooling is in in my opinion in terms of like what what parents go through. And then you see that happening with kids as well. Yeah. Um, I know Teo, your son, has had a big experience with de-schooling. Can you share a little bit about what that was and in your opinion, like what de-schooling is based on that experience? Yeah, so, so for me, de-schooling is one name for two different processes. One is the, the one you mentioned, the adult's process of, of questioning fears, questioning worries, questioning beliefs, questioning programmings, letting go of a lot of let's say crap <laughs> that has been you know like it's been it's been taught to us and then the other process is for children who have been very much um, directed by adults uh, they can have gone to school or they can have been in an alternative school or they can have very controlling parents I'm sorry guys I'm not here to judge anyone when we when we try to control our kids too much it will backfire sooner or later you know they start lying to us they won't share with us they don't feel trust etc etc so kids that have been exposed to a lot of adult control um, they need time to detox they need time to heal because if you have been too controlled you can become really like it looks like as if the child is depressed. I'm not sure they are really depressed. It can look like, uh, it can look different in different ways. But my son, for instance, he looked like he was depressed. Uh, he didn't want to meet any friends. He didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to leave home. He had no creativity, no initiative taking. And that was his process of detoxing and coming back to himself for one day. He was like, mom, like, can you, can you get me some paper? I want to draw. And I was like, oh my God, here he goes. <laughs> and my work during that time, which lasted basically a year, was to just stay calm, trust the process, understand what was going on with him, and take care of my own worries, mm. my own fears. What if he never wants to create anything again? What if he never is gonna take another initiative in his whole life? And so um, two different processes, but it has to do, they're related, they have to do one with each other. Um, but I think that we should dedicate a whole, a whole oh episode yeah, to this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, de-schooling is, I think a lot of people get scared by that term because it's, it, it comes with an expectation of work. Yeah. <laughs> and 
what I what I've experienced in directing learning centers is that you know families can come in with a desire to want to support their children's freedom and sometimes the kids don't even know how to do that themselves because they've been so controlled or they've been you know they've been stifled for so long or they don't even know who they are and it, there's that process of deschooling for them in, in the center but then if the parents aren't doing the work if they're not questioning how they're talking to their kids you know what kind of system they have going on at home you know whether it's power with or power over whether their you know their fears are beginning to or have been influencing their their learners process like if parents aren't doing the work then there's such a misalignment and it creates a lot of confusion for kids and it's it's hard it's really yeah hard. and I, I think that this is really what it boils down to I do think that self-directed education could work for at least 98% of kids but does it work for the parents mm. I think that that's the big question or are the parents ready are, yeah. are we ready to because it's a lot of self-reflection it's a lot of looking at like you know we've said patterns looking at how we're relating, how we're navigating, and looking at fears. And a lot of failing too. Yes. Like there's a lot of failing involved and to be able to be kind to yourself and say, I messed up, I'm sorry. And you know, basically just shake off the dust and try to fail better next time, you know, because we are failing all the time. And of course, we were taught in the school system that failing is really bad. It gives us bad grades. Sometimes, you know, other negative consequences will happen. So we all kind of have this fear of failure. It's normal and it's okay. But it's something that we adults need to work on when we go into self-directed education. Celebrating our failures. Yes, celebrating <laughs> our failures, absolutely. So yeah. is do you have some kind of tip or advice or something that you would like to share with, with our listeners? Yeah, so in the last episode, we started talking about step one, which is begin questioning. Uh, after questioning, I think it's really important to know the SDE landscape. So start doing your research. You know, ad, uh, Agile Learning Centers is a great place to start. The Alliance for Self-Directed Education, also known as ASDE, is an incredible resource. And they have so many articles. Yes, some of which you've actually written. That's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, amazing articles, amazing community. You can check out and search for ad, uh, Agile Learning Centers out in the world. So great resource there. And start reading on leaders in the self-directed education movement. So for example, Akilah Richards is a huge inspiration, an amazing- she is amazing amazing and can I just say this her book raising free people I'm just finishing it right now yeah. and I love it thank you Akila for writing that Akilah, one Akila big shout out to you and all your work and hopefully we can get you on our podcast one day but yeah check out her book raising free people she has a podcast called fair of the free child Akila does a lot of work around the liberation movement and uh, particularly supporting families of color and yeah, just big shout out to Akila and also Peter Gray, Free to Learn. If you haven't read that book, start there. It's a must. And can I say like one of my favorites is John Holt. And why I like him so much is because I'm an ex-teacher hmm. and he was also an educator and he started observing children and he was observing and writing, like basically journaling what he was seeing. And for me as a teacher, it was mind blowing. That's what led me to 
observing children in a different way. Absolutely. And um, also on that note, John Taylor Gatto, who is also uh, an educator in the New York City public school system, and he wrote an amazing book called Dumbing Us Down, um, has a really great, also great insight Absolutely. regarding his observations. Carol Black is another amazing resource. So yeah, just start going down the, the SDE rabbit hole. It'll keep you there for a while. <laughs> and you know, you use the word, Becca, observation. I yeah. mean, I think that would be the next step as well. Yeah, absolutely. Start observing your children. And I think that it's quite difficult for parents to do that because in general, we're not observing in a neutral way, Sadie. We're observing having a lot of judgments and thoughts around what we're seeing. We don't really see what we're seeing. If I'm, I don't know if I make myself well, we clear. We think we see what we think we see. We think things. we understand, yeah. but we don't. And I would just like to put on these like extra glasses where start looking for what is my kid actually learning right now because they learn all the time but since we don't know this we think that they might just be i don't know making a mess right and they don't we don't see how much they're exploring and actually learning so observe starting observing your children and take a step back and i would also say start asking yourself what are they interested in what are their true curiosities because a lot of times we think oh yeah my kid loves to dance because i love to dance you know or my my kid (laughs) loves soccer because i played soccer you know but really what are they into because they're completely different humans. So maybe we share similar interests and maybe we have completely different interests. So I would I would suggest to keep a journal and start writing like daily. How are you observing your kids? What are they into? Are they thriving in the system if they're in a conventional setting? Are they excited to go to school? Are they depressed? Are they, you know, needing support? What are their passions? What are their interests? How are they spending their time? Just, you know, be little detectives. We call Call them parent detectives, I guess. Parent detectives, yeah. <laughs> Perfect, I love that. Another step is take our training. We are running a training program called The Shift, and our next one is in October. Becca, can you talk a little bit about it? Yes. Um, okay, so The Shift was born basically for, I think, two big reasons. First of all, you and I were big when it comes to parent support and coaching parents and guiding them through the de-schooling process. Uh, but through that process, I have been giving trainings for, for many, many years. And I really wanted us to create a training that would help parents make the actual shift of paradigm, leaving control and fear behind and stepping into trust and freedom. And that is the shift. And we gave the first one in May with extraordinary results. It was fantastic. It was a lot of fun. We had our friend Maddie Zins, who was a, a former... Uh, co-director of mine in, in an Agile Learning Center in New York, who's an amazing human. She joined us, and she'll be joining us as well in October. So come on down. You can find out more information on radical-learning.org. So I think those are some pretty great steps to start with. Absolutely. We'll be waiting for you here, guys. Next time on Radical Learning Talks, we will meet with Mary MacIver Anderson. Mary grew up without going to school because her parents chose to unschool her. Now, as a mother of two, she has made exactly the same choice for her children. Don't miss out on this exciting episode next time on Radical Learning Talks.